Hello and welcome to BSN Extra. I'm your host, Jason Barfield, and it's hard to believe, but Saturday will mark the final game as an FCS program for Sam Houston football. A run that started in 1986 has included 13 trips to the NCAA postseason and a national championship in the spring of 2021. And the Bearcats will wrap it up on Saturday at home against Southern Utah. So I decided with this podcast this week, we kind of take a look at where the playoff success really kind of started. And the Bearcats made the playoffs in 1986. They made it again in 1991. But really, it all kind of started right about 1999 is when things started to build. And then ultimately, the Bearcats got into the playoffs again in 2001, kind of snapping a 10-year drought for the postseason. So we're going to go back and take a look at how a lot of that got started. And we're going to be bringing in Brian Lacey, who was probably the first really true beat writer of the uh, the Sam Houston Athletics covering for the Huntsville item. So Brian Lacey is going to join us and talk a little bit about where all of this got started and how it got started. So all of that coming up right here on BSN Extra. Bearcat fans, single game tickets for the Sam Houston men's and women's basketball seasons are now available to purchase. Reserve your seats now to cheer on the Bearcats at Johnson Coliseum throughout the 22-23 season. To purchase tickets, you can go to GoBearcats.com or call the Bearcat Athletic Ticket Office at 936-294-1729. We look forward to seeing you here at Johnson Coliseum. Eat them up, cats. And welcome back to BSN Extra. Jason Barfield here, and I am now joined by Brian Lacey. Brian, uh, thank you for jumping in. And um, Brian just kind of set up his background. Brian really was the first true beat writer for Sam Houston Athletics, Sam Houston football. He was at the Huntsville item from 1999. How long were you at the item, actually, Brian? Till about That's what? The item from. 99 till about 2006, but I spent the first four years of that working as uh, in the sports department and, and being the beat writer for the St. Houston football. So well, the reason we're bringing Brian in is, um, you know, Saturday is the last FCS football game for Sam Houston before moving on to Conference USA. So I kind of wanted to use this podcast to kind of reflect on the Bearcats' time playing FCS, 1AA football as it used to be called, and really thought Brian could come in and give an interesting perspective because Brian was covering this team really when a lot of the, the the playoff talk and the playoff runs first started. And I think I think when you look at Sam Houston football, really, you know, as a Division One program, certainly they made playoff appearances in 1986 and 1991 but really, Brian, it was that late 90s, early 2000s that really this team became, you know, known nationally as a as a potential, you know, threat in the playoffs and a contender to make the playoffs, wasn't it? Uh, it was, and you're, you're right. That's the exact time frame. Um, 
you know, that 2000, 99, 2000, uh, when I first started, they had some, some talented teams. If you remember, uh, 99 is when Chris Alupka transferred in as a quarterback, a uh, kid that was from Angleton, I believe, and had been at Oklahoma State. Uh, and that was, that was the first time we'd gotten, you know, kind of a, a, a power five conference transfer quarterback who had been a starter and played. And, uh, that brought some buzz with it. Um, and, and they had a little bit of success that year. Uh, and then that 2000 season, um, you knew you had a lot of the guys that were, that ended up being stars on that 2001 team. Uh, you know, specifically, you think of Keith Davis, uh, Keith Heinrich. Um, and, and that 2000 season is really when it started. And that's also, you know, Jason, when the sort of the internet media landscape was starting to change and FCS or, or even back then division one double A football, uh, suddenly had an outlet to get coverage uh, that it never really had before. Uh, so the fans of those schools, no matter where you were in the country, uh, could could really keep up more with with the entire division across the country in a way that had really been difficult to do because it just didn't get the national coverage uh, uh, that, that your bowl subdivision did. Yeah, that was Sports Network had just come online with their coverage of one double A football at the time. I think Tony Moss was the was the guy who was running that, and you know he was a right. big advocate for one double A football. You know, for us locally, you know, I talk about you know you were at the Huntsville Item two thousand football season or, or ninety nine football season was the year that um, that I launched my site with Rivals dot com, and Sam Houston had a had a Rivals dot com page, and you know, kind of started that coverage there, and starting to get that out there. So you know, that presence on the internet, so. You know, you really did have all of that, and it just all kind of coincided with Sam Houston football starting that rise. And, you know, you look at what Chris Halupka did, and you talk about it. It kind of brought some national attention. You know, that year they finished 6-5, and five, had a chance for a 7-4 and four season. Uh, Halupka got hurt in the second-to-last game of the season against Northwestern State, missed the Southwest Texas game in the finale. They lost that one. And would have had a chance to finish tied for second that year in the Southland, but it really set the table for that 2000 season and and what the Bearcats were able to do. And they started it off big. They went down to Lafayette, played the Raging Cajuns, and notched their first ever FBS, you know, Division One A win. And that really kind of set the table, didn't it? Uh, it did. That was huge. Like you mentioned. Uh... Uh, there had been a few teams uh, in the past that had had played some close games. Uh, I believe there was a game there. Maybe it was was it, was it the '86 team uh, that played Houston really close in the Astrodome? That that playoff team. '87, um, so, so I think. '87. Yeah. Okay, with with a lot of guys from that playoff team still on the team. Um, but to, to go, we had never gotten over the hurdle of winning that um, that true Division One A. Uh, opponent on the road and to go win that game against Lafayette uh, really started the season off um, setting expectations I think um, that okay maybe this is uh, a year that we can do something Um, and uh, I believe two weeks later uh, that team went up to Macomb Illinois to play Western Illinois uh, and got knocked around pretty good I think it was 31 to nothing if I remember and uh uh, I actually remember I wrote a column, uh, the sort of the 
day after column about that was that this was sort of the wake up call that, um, you know, Sam Houston's not quite there yet. Um, I think we had maybe been ranked 18th coming into that week and Western Illinois was uh, a top 10 team. And it was, it was pretty clear uh, that those two teams were on very different levels um, and that Sam Houston still had some, some work to do to get over the top. Um, had a chance, you know, as that season went on, um, lost a, a really tough home game to Troy. Um, back and forth affair, and I think 23-21 maybe. Uh, and Troy was, again, had just recently won a national championship and was a, uh, a one double A power that was about itself to transition up to one A. Yeah, they had, um, they were a number one ranked team. I think the year before in '99, they had spent a yeah. spent a stretch at the top of the poll. So you know, perennial top ten team, um, and had handled had handled that same Houston team at Troy very easily the year before. Um, so to, to to play those guys and have a chance to win late um, was a good sign. Still but, uh, should have. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Recover, we recovered that onside kick. Onside yeah, kick at the end were, of the game. They We recovered it. They called it offside. We had to kick again and didn't get it. But, you know, I digress. But, yeah. Uh, and then and then lost the home game to McNeese the next week. Uh, again, so it was one of those, the season finished and you look back at it and there was, you know, one or two things happened here or there. Uh, and they even went into the final week of that season. Uh, you talked about Tony Moss and the coverage that he was doing at the Sports Network at that time. Uh, you know, Sam Houston was still on that list of teams that was in contention for a playoff spot. Yeah, we went uh, we went down to Thibodeau, won a game down in Thibodeau, and uh, which is never an easy place to play. But I think the big one then was then turning around, going on the road and winning at Northwestern State. And it's a top right. it's a top twenty Northwestern State team at that time, and you get a win there, and now you're looking at the chance of a possible eight and three season. And you're right, that was I. I remember you and I getting together and we were talking after that Northwestern State game and you talked about Tony Moss had reached out to you and y'all had talked a little bit about we hadn't even been thinking playoff chances because that had never been a topic of conversation for Sam Houston football. So that wasn't even on our radar until really that last week of the season as we're getting ready to host Southwest Texas. Yeah, and, and you bring up one of the more miserable games I ever covered. Um, uh, Mid-30s and raining at Bauer Stadium uh, throughout the entire game. Uh, again, we've got an outside chance. This is a Sam Houston has to win and, and needs a couple of teams that are sort of on the good side of that at-large bubble to lose. Uh, and it's probably not going to happen, but you've got to win your game to have a chance. Uh, and and we go out and drop a game to uh, I think still at the time Southwest Texas uh, at home uh, like I said just miserable conditions uh, and was really just sort of a disappointing into uh, a season where we we started to maybe get a taste of of what was possible. Yeah, and that you know that I I think that you know put us kind of on the national radar then at that point. And, um, you know, I think from a from a coverage standpoint, I know you and I's perspective going into the 2001 season, um, we, we squarely went into that. You know, I don't know how aware a lot of other people were, but, you know, I think you and I, I remember talking that, you know, we felt like that 2001 team 
really had the potential to be a playoff team. And, uh, you know, depending on how things came together and all of that. And then obviously Josh McCown transfers in and that, and that really changed everything for that 2001 team. It did. Uh, that 2001 team had a ton of talent coming back, uh, before you added Josh McCown to the mix. Uh, and then I remember in the spring when it was announced, he was transferring from SMU, um, you know, and you had, a uh, an opportunity to add a kid who hadn't had the success at SMU. But again, if, if you, you know, if you were a high school football fan growing up in Texas, uh, especially in East Texas, you knew who Josh McCown was. You had, were familiar with what he had done at Jacksonville. And him coming in, um, again, I think if you talk to some of the players on that team, that was a team that had talent and thought it could be good. And Josh's, not only his physical skills, but his leadership uh, absolutely took that team to a next level. And we saw it immediately. Uh, on the opening night when we go up to uh, Louisiana Monroe and and win, again, fairly easily um, uh, against, our, I think, the second win in school history against a, a 1A opponent. Uh, and, and then that season really sort of put Sam Houston uh, on the map. Yeah, once again, nasty conditions for that ULM game. And, um, you know, McCown showed just kind of what a, a difference maker he was going to be. Uh, a guy not really known for running, but he had the big touchdown run in that game. Uh, ultimately pulled away a 20-9 to win against a former Southland team. And, um, you know, did have one other FBS game. Went up to Northern Illinois uh, and, and lost that one. But I think, you know, right back after that, bounce back. You beat Mississippi Valley State 68-13. to And then you've got Northwestern State. Another trip down to Thibodeau. And, you know, that, that Nichols game, I think the back-to-back Northwestern Nichols, and you win that Nichols game the way they did, you know, 35-32, um, blocked a field goal, if I remember correctly, at the end of that game to seal it. But, um, you know, that was the game that was raining, and you had the two, three-hour lightning delay there in the the middle of that second quarter. I know you and I drove down yeah. there for that game. And, um, yeah, and that was like a – p.m. kick that didn't finish till almost 11 30 at night yeah that was that was a long night one of my favorite uh you know without getting too far off on a tangent uh talking to coach randleman about that game a couple of weeks ago in fact um after the the long delay we had against a&m this year and randleman had come by the office and we were talking a little bit about that Nichols game and he talked about how we weren't prepared for that long delay and you know it had been hours since the guys had eaten their pregame meal and everything like that Mm-hmm. And they ran to the concession stand and bought them out of all their hot dogs and Snickers. All the hot dogs and Snickers bars. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a wild game. And if you remember, Jason, the first half, uh, I want to say Josh threw a couple touchdowns to Jonathan Cooper. And I'm not talking little screen passes. I'm 30, 40 yards down the middle on a crossing route. We couldn't hardly see the play from the press box. It was raining so hard. And we were still slinging the ball around the field. Yeah, I you know, I'd have to look it up, but I want to say like in that driving rain, Josh was like 13 of 15 for 168 and two touchdowns before we had the delay. And then, you know, ultimately, you know, once again, Thibodeau is never an easy place to play. And uh they came charging back, made a game of it, and then um blocked a kick at the uh at the end of regulation to to hold off Nichols, and then 
you know, turns around another big win against SFA and, um, you know, 24-21 on that one. And, you know, so this team was really starting to roll and, you know, finishes the year, win against Western Illinois, Jacksonville State with a win, and then it came down to Southwest Texas again. And I think, you know, it's kind of the same conversation that we had had the year before, that you go into that last game against the Bobcats needing a win to get into the playoffs. And, you know, that time you're playing for a conference championship, a little bit more on the line. Um, but the Bearcats went and got it done. And, you know, I, I think just as that season was building, you could just kind of feel it building to that Southwest Texas game. Yeah, and, and and again, I think it just points to, um, you know, I think a lot of us that were around at that time that saw who Josh McCown was uh, as a leader uh, were not surprised that he had an almost 20-year NFL career uh, and and almost as soon as he retired had a at least one NFL team, you know, wanting to get him on their coaching staff, if not as a head coach. Uh, that That's just the, the kind of, guy that he is and what he brings to a team and so uh what was not surprising um uh that they went down to san marcos there uh in november and, and took care of business pretty easily that year so the bearcats get into the playoffs and they got a home game northern arizona came to bowers and you know we we've had so many great games over the years i think that one gets lost uh, for for how good of a game was, what do you remember about that Northern Arizona game? Well, it, it, part of what you said, hey, it was you know it's over twenty years ago now, uh, and we've had so many great playoff moments since then. Uh, as this program finally took that leap to being a a, a perennial SCS uh, power, um, I, I just I remember. That, that final drive, I mean, that's the, that's the part that stands out to me. Um, you know, Sam Houston was kind of in control the whole game, uh, but but never way in front. And then all of a sudden you look up and Northern Arizona scores late and ties the game. And we get the ball back, what, less than a minute left. We're staring at overtime. Um, and sure enough, Josh McCown again just pulls one out scrambles around i mean we're, they're really at that point where you think they're going to just take a knee and go to overtime uh and he rolls out of the pocket and i, I don't know if it was a, a hand signal or a known ahead of time but you know matt bus just took off running and kept running and kept running and josh just threw it as far as he could and i remember just being down there on that sideline watching that ball go up and uh uh and matt getting the catch and then you know get the first down, stop the clock, run out the field goal team and, and kick the field goal and win the game. Uh, you know, walk off as time expires. Uh, just uh, incredible, uh, really for a lot of folks at Sam Houston, because it had been 10 years uh, since we'd had a playoff game uh, and had never won a playoff game uh, as an FCS team. So to have that be the first experience uh, was really incredible. Yeah, I, I think when, you know, you talk about the significance of that, I mean, first ever playoff victory, um, you know, so that, I mean, it, and it, it, it put them in that the next step, and that next step was number one ranked Montana. And, um, you know, I, I know, like, you know, fans who have 
jumped into this in the last 10 years or so and 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 know you know sam houston football since 2011 um north dakota state was always that uh is has been that team well before north dakota state that team was montana montana and you know that was our first chance to to get a taste of missoula wagres uh the the atmosphere there and um you know ultimately they lost in that one 49 24 but you know you had a chance to go up and and experience that game um what were your impressions of montana and that atmosphere and and really where this program still needed to go to be there well it certainly stood out um you know geographically montana where it's located you know the other there's no professional teams around there you know i mean montana football is the dallas cowboys of montana and and really have in some ways uh you know that region of the country it is it is the biggest game in town i had never been to an a one double a game that had a a Division One A Power Five atmosphere. I mean, that's a twenty-six thousand seat stadium that had thirty thousand people crammed into it. Uh, and it, the way you've been there now, Jason, but but the way it sits at the base of that little mountain valley, and it it's kind of dug out of the ground. It's almost like being in a basketball arena that has the roof cut off the top. Um, it's one of those where. You don't just hear the noise, you feel the energy. Uh, like it, it makes your body just reverberate standing there on the sidelines. Uh, it, it's, it's one of the, regardless of classification, and I've told friends all over that it is one of the best college football atmospheres I had ever experienced in my life. Um, and it certainly was eye opening, I think, to everyone at Sam Houston. Again, we, we've made it to that. We'd gotten over that hump, and we were a playoff team now, uh, and we knew that was capable. Um, but, but you and I had talked all the way back to our time as students, uh, of really that the goal ought to be to, at the very at the, the first step, to be a perennial top 25 program, uh, year in, year out, uh, and, and then really say, okay, can we be a perennial top 10 program? Because uh, at that point, then you're, then you are a playoff team every single year, uh, and we still weren't quite there yet, but I think that was the season, Jason, that everybody around the department um, who was even fans, administrators, started to believe that, that that was possible. And I'm not sure a whole lot of people had thought up until that point that it was possible for San Houston to reach that level. And Montana really became the blueprint for that success. That was... That was the program a lot of things were modeled after. And, you know, it was one of those things where we got to see what the best looked like. And if we're going to compete at this level, you know, this is these are the things that you have to do. And, um, you know, like you said, we, we weren't quite there yet from a, uh, a perennial success. And, you know, that probably doesn't come until several years later, maybe 10 years later. But, you know, you get back into the mix again in in 2004 and you know once again it's an it's an early season game but it's number one ranked montana and this time they came to bowers and you know i was on the beat at that point but you were still at the newspaper 
And mm-hmm. um, that game just had an extra feel to it. It was, it was, you know, the number one team in the country coming in and the team look, you know, the team kind of had that same feel. Once again, you have a transfer quarterback. Dustin Long had just right. come in and, you know, big game against Washita Baptist to open up, go on the road and you lose to Southwest Missouri state. But it just didn't, you know, you felt like that game kind of just got away from them. Um, bus trip up to Springfield, Missouri, long trip. And then you had number one Montana coming in. And this was the chance to really make a statement. And it was a Fox Sports Southwest game. And the crowd really was. That was, that was the first time that I felt like the – student community, the university community, the Huntsville community, the alumni really showed up and and made their presence felt and understood the significance of that game and the place that, that we could have at the national level. And I think something significant there, Jason, is <clears throat> when you look at the playoff runs previously, we had never had a class of, of athletes, um, as in like from their freshman to their senior year, you know, you include the red shirt. We'd never had a class come through there, make the playoffs twice. And you still had some guys who were young and had seen and, and experienced, may not have been key contributors or played a lot, but you had guys who had been there in 2001 um, who had gotten that taste of, of what it could be like. Uh, and then again, Oh two and oh three, little hiccup. Uh, Justin Long comes in in oh four, and we have known for a while now that we've got Montana coming to our house. And I really think both for for the players, the coaches, the community, uh, especially those folks that were invested in the football program. This I don't want to say it was a big brother, little brother, but you know what I mean when I said it was this. This was our chance to prove to Montana that 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 we were. We, we, we wanted to be considered equals with them, that we were on the same playing field. You know, uh, I don't know that they respected that 2001 team uh, and that level. They were so good back then. They just assumed they were going to beat everybody. Um, but this was definitely, I think, our, our school and our players' first chance to want to try to show, you know, the, the big kid, you know, the bully on the block that, hey, we're ready to stand up to you. And they, I mean, and they really put it on them. I mean, final score finished up 41-29, but that was not a close football game no, by, by any not. means. And it was a blowout from the start. And it started a seven-game win streak where this team not only was just being considered, you know, a playoff team, but there was talk of how good can they be and, you know, big win at SFA that year who was a you know top 15 team and you know you had the one stumble against Northwestern State and I think that was you know that was one of those things that you felt like if they could have gotten that Northwestern State game you position yourself to be able to play at home for a long time in the playoffs and they didn't they didn't get that but once again back in the playoffs back at home in the opening round and you get a Western Kentucky team come in that 
a really good Western Kentucky team that was a top five team all year long. I think they were ranked number three in the country coming into that game, and they Mm -hmm. had to come to Huntsville. And once again, I mean, a lot like the Montana game, it wasn't close from the start. No, there was a, what, a, I want to say a block touch, block, a block punt run back for a touchdown and a pick six within the first five minutes of the game. Uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was over before it started. And ironically, with us talking about this, that was Western Kentucky's last game as a FCS school as they were transitioning up. Yeah, it's funny how, uh, you know, you look at, you look at some of these teams and, you know, kind of their last runs in the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. That was Western Kentucky's last run as they started to make that transition. And then, you know, what we talk about with the Northwestern State, now you've got to go on the road and draw a trip at Eastern Washington. And, you know, Bearcats had never played well on the, you know, they'd never won a road game in the playoffs. Um, and cold weather. Eastern Washington, it is freezing there. And, um, you know, once again, it, it kind of became a a signature game for this program, though, rallying from 20 points down in the fourth quarter. It was start of the fourth quarter. Seven minutes left. Yeah, 30, Seven minutes left. 34-14 game. And um, Dustin Long puts the team on his back, and they come back and, and win that thing. And now, once again, you're staring at Montana, and this time you've got to go to Missoula. And, you know, once again, that that's just it, – it, it proved to be one of the toughest places to play in college football. And, again, was just the – you know, at, at, the, at the end of the day, it was the school that, that we were looking at saying, this is, this is the hurdle. This is, this is what we have to become – that if we want to play at this level consistently. Yeah. And I don't know if, you know, because you come off that 2004 season uh, and, and then we have a few years where, um, you know, we, we we kind of felt like, okay, now we're on that verge of becoming a perennial uh, power. And, and, you know, again, had some, had some really talented kids come through the program over the next few years, but just couldn't quite put it together. Uh, a season like we needed, uh, but but a couple of takeaways from those seasons, and especially 2004, um, that I think you you and and Bobby Williams have probably talked about this. That a that that Northwestern State game just really hammered home the emphasis of you know whatever you have to do to handle your business during the regular season to position yourself um, for a deep playoff run at home. Uh, and then you add that Montana game with that. I think that was, I think that has always stuck with uh, with Bobby uh, when it comes to once this team finally got back to that point uh, with that 2011 team. Um, you know, whatever you have to do, uh, however the system is presented to you, if it's you have to beat everybody, then by gosh, you beat everybody. If there's if there's a process to you know win a bid. In order to host a game, then we're going to win that bid to host that game because that is what home field advantage matters that much in the FCS playoff. Yeah, and that certainly became a focus. And, um, you know, you, you talk about that 2011 season and, 
You know, that team went undefeated in the regular season, number one overall seed in the playoffs, number one ranked team in the country, and lo and behold, they're in the semifinals. It was Montana again, you know, and even though this is 10 years removed from that first that first trip to Missoula in the playoffs, at the time it felt like that was the previous season. And that was just, you know, it it didn't feel like it had been seven years since we had last played Montana. And um, it was almost like they had always been sitting there in the corner just waiting on us to make another playoff run so they could step in and smack us around a little (laughs) bit, you know? I mean, that's just, that was the feel of that, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I think for anybody around our program, because that was that was our lasting memory of Montana, uh, and and Montana had sort of continued to be in that top tier, but I don't know that they were really the top dog anymore. But in but in our minds, they were. Yeah. Uh, and so it was only fitting uh, that you were going to have to slay the dragon, if you will, to reach your ultimate goal. Uh, and again, you know, I mean, like you said, it had been seven years, you know, that the, the kids that are playing that game, uh, you know, were in middle school or elementary school uh, when that previous game had happened. And none of those coaches were there. Uh, but for those folks, you know, you had transitioned from newspaper to working in the athletic department and, and for some of those folks that had been in the athletic department and Bobby Williams and other administrators, they remembered Montana and, and it, it, it had to, it had to be Montana. It had to be. But it was in Huntsville and that was. And, ulti- and again, that was, yeah, that ultimately. That was the difference in that. And I think that's where, you know, even though there had not been a playoff run since 2004, once again, the blueprint was there, and it was set by Montana. You, you look at the dominance that they had and, you know, continue that forward. North Dakota State, you don't go into the Fargo Dome and win. You just don't. Nobody, yeah. nobody, it doesn't happen very often. And, you know, that that's always been the blueprint for success in, in FCS 1AA football is playing at home. I mean, the – the times that you go on the road and pull off upsets, you really, you know, those are few and far between. And, you know, the Bearcats have been fortunate enough to do a lot of that during this, during this decade long run. And, um, but that's, that's not the norm. And so I, I I, I was going to say, I remember it and I'm, I'm guessing it probably holds true today, but, uh, you know, I want to say FCS playoff home teams win at probably somewhere between an 80 to 85% clip. Um, like you said, it's just, it just doesn't happen. So, uh, you know, how do you avoid that? Well, if you win all of your games and go undefeated, like that team did in 2011, they can't not make you a national seed. And if you're a national seed, you're protected at home. Um, and so that takes, that takes all the wild cards off the table. Um, but, uh, you know, I think you've agreed with what that, what that program turned around and did the next year may have been more impressive. Yeah. To get back to the national championship by going and winning at Montana State and then going and winning at Eastern Washington. Just and, uh, those those teams were so good. Yeah, I do have to correct you on one small thing. 
when you said the that all you have to do is go out there and win every game leading up to the playoffs, and there's no way they can keep you from from being there. You know, 2016, they did do that to us. Don't forget that we were we were 11 and 0, number one ranked team in the country, and still had to go to James Madison. But for the for the most part, yes, you're right. There, that was kind of the outlier there that they they can do that, that to you if they and, want to. And, and James Madison was what they had one loss and was a was a FBS game, I think. Yeah, yeah, and they were yeah. they were ranked number five that year, uh, heading into the playoffs. But um, yeah. But for the most part, yeah, that was that was the blueprint for success. Um, you know, when you when you look at just kind of the totality of uh, you know Sam Houston's time at the one double A level, and you know the success they had. Obviously, the last ten years, ten eleven years, are are the reason why Conference USA was on the table, and um, you know so. As we get ready for this last game at the FCS level, just kind of what are what are some of your just kind of lasting memories that uh, that that stick out to you as uh, as as we get ready to make this move to Conference USA FBS football and we start playing for bowl games? Uh, yeah, the, uh, I, I will admit there's uh, there's a little bit of that having gone to school at San Houston when we were uh, you know. In FCS, started there. You and I at the same time in '95, um, and, and you know the goal was always you know to, to become a playoff program. And then when we did that, and it was to, you know to let's can we win this thing? And then uh, to finally be able to experience that, uh, you know, a couple years ago uh, of, of finishing on top, winning the championship. Um, there's a little bit of sadness. To, to leave that idea of, of that, you know, of, there's always that excitement when you know you're starting the season with a chance to win a national championship. Um, and knowing that that, uh, you know, for now is going away and that you're just playing for a bowl game, uh, it will be a little, it'll be an adjustment, I think. Um, but really, Jason, this, this last decade, um, as, again, to have started – being a part of the athletic department when I was a student, uh, you know, working in the press box on game days uh, and experiencing college football from the inside like that, uh, and then being a beat writer and kind of seeing the beginnings of this, um, and then having transitioned out of the business. And, uh, you know, what a time to be alive, you know, to live in a day and age where I can still watch Sam Houston every single week. Um, and still get to experience and be a part of it to, I guess, just to see this program uh, and and the vision that that Bobby Williams has had for for Sam Houston football as a you know as a football coach himself, uh, you know, understandable that that's always uh, you know his passion. Um, but but as someone who talked about it 25 years ago of, you know, man, why can't we be a perennial top 25 team? Why can't we be a perennial top 10? Uh, and, and to see it finally come true uh, and, and then just get to experience it as a fan uh, has just been incredible. And I'm, I'm so thankful, you know, I live out of state now, uh, but I wear Sam Houston gear proudly all the time. And uh, all of my friends, 
uh, you know, they, they know about Sam Houston. And we, you know, we, we talk about the Sam Houston game on at church on Sunday. Uh, those, those people have gotten to live through that with me. Uh, uh, and again, it's different, you know, not being around lots of alumni and uh, even being with, with you and some of our other close friends that we talk every single weekend after a game. Um, but yeah, just to, to not only see us finally get near the mountaintop, but then be able to plant our flag and stay there like we have for the last 12 plus years uh, has just been so much fun as a fan and an alum. And so wrapping things up on Saturday, it's kind of odd that it's Southern Utah. I, I, you know, I was kind of thinking about that this week. I'd love for this game to be like McNeese or Lamar or, you know, somebody like that, that, you know, it's odd that our, our, our last game, um, is, you know, a team we've only played twice. We've only played them here twice in the playoffs, you know, so it's not a, a, a longstanding historical rival that we're going to say goodbye to. Um, but you know what, maybe, maybe it's best that this is, that this is the way we end it. And, um, you know, I, I think you can almost kind of say we we've started making this transition as you know, already as it is. And uh, so maybe we don't need to have a, a long-standing historical rival as this last game here at Bowers Stadium and uh, as an FCS one double A team. And um, but but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Is that you know the transition has already started. Obviously, we've we've already been putting out news about Conference USA with the TV deal coming up and and everything like that. So I, I think a lot of those mindsets have already started to change with playoffs not being on the table this year, um, kind of knowing that, you know, this was going to be a transition year. So, um, but, but yeah, you're right. It, you know, I, I felt like today as we, as we get ready to, uh, to prepare for this last game, it'd be this week's podcast would be a good chance to kind of just look back at, you know, some of our, some of our memories of, of FCS football, one double a playoffs and, um, you know, I, I'm glad you were able to get on and talk about it because, like I said, that you 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 were a beat writer with the Huntsville Item. Really, I mean, even then, before that, some of the stuff we were doing media-wise as students, whether it was student radio, student TV, the Houstonian, what we were doing with Rivals.com, it all it always kind of happened. So, you know, I was glad to be able to bring you in and uh, and have this conversation with us today. Well, you know, I'm good to talk anytime. Sam Houston football, basketball, really any sports uh, at all. Uh, like I said, I've continued to be a huge fan. I'm so thankful uh, for the work that you have done and, and the athletic department uh, to make access to Sam Houston sports, uh, what it is, you know, across the ESPN network. And, uh, you know, I mean, just who could have imagined, you know, 15 years ago that, that I could live 700 miles away on any given night. Uh, I can stream a Sam Houston sporting event on my 70-inch flat screen TV in the living room um, and enjoy Sam Houston uh, sports just like uh, anybody else who goes to a, you know, a, a big Power 5 school does uh, every single week. So it's, it's awesome. Uh, I love what you guys are doing with, with your coverage uh, and, and getting the – the name of the university out there uh and so it's, it's a recognizable brand name in college football now uh and that is 
that's that's really cool. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Enjoy your conference. I uh, I hate to pull you out of some sessions. I know you uh, you're busy right now in Chattanooga, but I'm I'm glad you were able to step aside and chat with us for a little bit. I've literally been staring at Finley Stadium. I'm talking about the irony. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm looking out of the hotel window at Finley Stadium. That you know. 20 years ago that this is where we were trying to get to. Yeah, that was, know, that was that was college football FCS, mecca. That was FCS 1AA Mecca there. National championship game. We were one game away there in, in 2004. So uh, uh, just a uh, small world. But, yes, I uh, appreciate you. Uh, like I said, I will always step away and take time to talk with you and talk about Sam Houston, man. Well, there you go. Bring it full circle. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of BSN Extra. Uh, don't know what our schedule is going to look like as we get close to the holidays, but we'll have a couple of offerings for you for sure. Um, I'll try to get Bobby Williams on the podcast one more time before we get out for the break, before the semester comes to an end. So want to thank you for joining us. We'll be back next time here on BSN Extra. This week's episode is recorded in the all-new studios in the Wood Forest Bank Athletic Center. This episode was written and produced by Jason Barfield. All music is courtesy scottholmesmusic.com. This has been a presentation of the Bearcat Sports Network.